Welcome to The Art of Being a Mum, the podcast that's a platform for mothers who are artists and creatives to share the joys and issues they've encountered while continuing to make art. Regular themes we explore include the day-to-day juggle, how mothers' work is influenced by their children, mum guilt, how mums give themselves time to create within the role of mothering, and the value that mothers and others place on their artistic selves. My name's Alison Newman. I'm a singer, songwriter, and a mum of two boys from regional South Australia. You can find links to my guests and topics we discuss in the show notes, together with music played, how to get in touch, and a link to join our lively and supportive community on Instagram. The Art of Being a Mum acknowledges the Boendick people as the traditional owners of the land which this podcast is recorded on. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Sophie Brock to the podcast this week. Sophie is a motherhood studies sociologist, also known as a social scientist, and a mother herself living in Sydney, Australia. Sophie provides analysis of motherhood in our culture, exploring the ways individual experiences of mothers are shaped by broader social constructs. Sophie supports professionals, business owners and creatives in revolutionising what motherhood means in our society and how individual mothers are supported and understood. I first found out about Sophie and her incredible work through a previous guest of this podcast, Louise Agnew, a photographer from Mount Gambia, South Australia, and I'm so glad I did. Motherhood Studies has been Sophie's field of research and passion for over a decade now. Her work is grounded in her PhD in sociology from the University of Sydney, her own experiences as a mother, and her own ongoing learnings from her clients and community. Sophie's vision is for a motherhood liberated from patriarchal structural constraints, where mothers have agency, support and possibilities open to them. Creating this world requires the deconstruction of dominant models of motherhood, including the perfect mother myth, intensive mothering ideology and martyrdom motherhood. She believes that through this work we can create space to imagine, claim or reclaim, explore and connect to a version of motherhood that sees women who mother as valued, powerful and whole. And personally, I could not agree more. Sophie's offerings include self-study courses for mothers and practitioners, her podcast, The Good Enough Mother, and her Motherhood Studies Practitioner Certification Program. In today's chat with Sophie, we discuss the movie, The Lost Daughter, which may be triggering to some. If so, I encourage you to seek help from those around you or from resources online. I've compiled a list of international resources on my website landing page, that is alisonnewman.net slash podcast. The music you'll hear in today's episode is used with permission and it's from my new age ambient music trio called Alemjo. It's made up of myself, my sister Emma Anderson and her husband John. I'm so delighted to have Sophie on an episode of my podcast. It really is an honour and I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed chatting with Sophie. Thanks so much for coming on today, Sophie. It's a real pleasure to meet you and to welcome you to the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me, Alison. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, so I've been following you on Instagram for a little while. I came across you, I can't remember how, but I'm really glad I did because what you're doing is 
really of interest to me and I think will be of interest to a lot of people that listen to the podcast as well. Can you explain to us what you do um, and the sort of thing that you're really interested in with your area of work? Yeah, sure. So um, I have a pretty unusual job title, which is a motherhood studies sociologist. And what that actually means is I'm a social scientist and I focus on the experiences of mothers and motherhood in our society and culture and how that's shaped and what that means. And so sometimes I describe it, if you imagine like a scientist with their white lab coat walking into a lab and looking at a specimen under their microscope to examine and ask questions and post hypotheses and think about, well, what can I learn and what can I find out from studying and observing this phenomenon? I do the same thing, but in our social world. So we step out and we look at how mothers experience their daily lives and what the cultural messages are around what it means to be a mother in our society and culture. And so that's what I'm really interested in. Mm. How did you get into this area? What was sort of the trigger that, that drew you into it? Yeah, I did my Bachelor of Arts degree and I majored in sociology um, and through the course of one of my essay topics, I stumbled across motherhood studies as a term and I was really surprised that we hadn't learned about motherhood studies formally in the course of my degree and so I kind of went down the rabbit hole of lots of reading and I discovered a whole network um, of incredible maternal scholars at the time mostly based in North America. Um, but there was an organisation here in Australia too that was focused on maternal research and scholarship and that led me down the path of then pursuing a PhD focused on that area of study um, and it's kind of just sort of blossomed since there. I've just been really passionate about the topic and this was long before I became a mum myself. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been an interest for mine ever since. Yeah, it's interesting you say about not many people, um, I guess, in Australia. I've, I've not, I don't know about now but... I've noticed that there, it is a really strong sort of topic in North America and there's people in England doing the same sort of thing, but I haven't come across many other people sort of diving in in Australia. So um, it's nice to have that perspective over here because I think, you know, culturally, you know, we are so different to other countries and um, different sort of setups that our government has, like with um, healthcare and childcare and things like that. So it is a unique sort of, I guess every country is unique. So yeah, it's nice to have that, that perspective. There's actually um, a fair a fair few people now in Australia, which is wonderful. And there's an yep. organisation, Maternal Scholars Australia. Mm -hmm. um, and but the, I suppose the challenge is too. It's like how, uh, where are you placed in order to be able to do this work? And so, are you working at a university? Do you have funding? Like all of those sorts of questions come into play with um, how much focus we're sort of able to, to facilitate on this topic but yeah absolutely there's a really strong pull um, throughout th throughout you know the UK and North America and Australia uh, mm. for this area of interest. So can you explain to us and I'll probably stuff this up so <laughs> Take, take this where you need to the sort of the way you describe the difference between motherhood mothering like the actual act of mothering within uh, you, you describe it like the fishbowl can you can you talk about that explain yeah. that please yeah, sure thing. Sure thing. yeah no you didn't stuff that up at all there's <laughs> all the technology that I use um, yeah. and it's really about making some distinctions in language to make it easier for us to describe accurately what we're experiencing and what we're talking about in motherhood um, so there are three distinctions to help us do that and one is the word mother 
um, can be referring to our individual selves, so the individual mother or a social role, so the role of the mother. And then there's mothering, which is an act, it's a practice, it's like the doing work of mothering, the caregiving, the actual acting out of what it means to engage in mothering work. And then there's the motherhood. And so the motherhood is the social and cultural context that we, the mothers, mother within. Mm -hmm. um, so I use the fish tank analogy to describe that, to think about a round glass uh, bowl, which is like the fish tank, and that represents our society and culture. Um, this can be applied to lots of different areas, not just motherhood, but we're talking motherhood here. And so that represents all of the stuff that we actually find really hard to see because it's easy for someone to point at something and say, oh, here's a rule book and look at all of those rules contained within it. That's the law. But the social customs and the social rules and the social norms that we all live within, we know them because we've been socialized into them, but they're invisible. It happens through mm -hmm. a process of socialization. So this analogy is really there to help us um, make a little bit more tangible what we're kind of talking about here, that we're living within a society and culture that has certain ideas around what it means to be a mother. And that impacts not only how we see ourselves, but that impacts how we carry out our mother in, how we actually care for our children. And it also impacts how the world sees us. So that's a kind of um, analogy that I use to help open up that conversation. Yeah, that's that's really good. I, I think that that's a really relatable description. Like, And I think it's, yeah, because people see things in so many different ways and learn in different ways. So, you know, being able to visualise that, that, you know, vessel that we're within. Um, as this as the social construct. When I chat to mums on this podcast, a lot of them bring up the topic, well, I bring up the topic and it's a, it's a big one for people about the identity shift that happens when you become a mother and what actually happens to yourself, the sense that you might lose your own identity. You become somebody's mum and you lose that. Everything you ever had in the eyes of society is diminished because you are, you exist to keep this little person alive. Um, that I notice on your your stories and your your Instagram that it's in, that's something that's important that you talk about is maintaining that identity as the person that you are um, within the role of mothering. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah, identity is such a complex um, topic, and we all relate to it, um, probably understandably so, in different ways. So, um, it is a really common theme to come out when we're talking about who we are as mothers. For mothers to say they feel they've lost themselves as mothers, or they've lost themselves in motherhood, or that they may have a really strong sense of their self and identity, but to everyone else now they've shifted and changed. And as you say, you're, you know, you're Jessica's mum. You're, you mm. don't have your even your name anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that often coincides with a shift in career because so often there's such a cemented sense of identity with what we do. So what work we carry out, if there are shifts that go on there in terms of um, shifting the, the amount that we are engaged in paid work or shifting career, that can also really accentuate a sense of loss of self because we don't have that to identify with as strongly anymore. Um, although it can also be the other way for a lot of women who become mothers as well. Some describe finding themselves in motherhood or uh, I know 
focuses around creativity and saying, actually, this experience that I've had through becoming a mother can also be a portal and a catalyst for incredible self-transformation and coming to know myself in a new way. And, and, and what I try and talk about is highlighting the nuance and saying we don't actually have to have a simple story here and it can be a bit of both. Yeah. Um, and it will change according to who you're speaking with. But I suppose what can be helpful for us is making the distinction between who the world sees us as, who the world expects us to be, and who it is that we are. Um, and so I find that useful to come back to, to say that we're more than our labels and our roles, and that it's really important for us as women, as individuals, as mothers, to be able to find a sense of grounding and anchoring into who we are that feels true for us and feels connected for us rather than who we're perceived as being by everyone else. Mm. Yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? Is this, and I, I think the social media makes it even more challenging because there's so many ways you can experience other people's views now. It's not like you could just hear the neighbors saying something or, you know, your friend made a comment. It's like, it's all around us all the time. So it can become really challenging to sort of find yourself amongst everybody else's opinions of who you should be. Um, yeah. Is that something that you, you sort of notice as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't find yourself when you're swimming through everyone else's opinions of who you should be. Um, anything that you try on won't be your own. It'll be someone else's. And social media is um, makes that particularly challenging because it's really easy to curate an identity on there. Um, and so talking about topics like this, you know, and we're having this dialogue about identity and we have the capacity to add in the complexity and the nuance, but that's really hard to do on an Instagram post or in a 30 second Instagram reel. Um, and, you know, you have your filters and you have your, your light ring and you set yourself up and, you know, you can really portray a certain uh, version of who you are. And that's not to say that that's all constructed and false and, you know, everyone on there is just performing. Not at all. I mean, we're all performing to some degree wherever we are, whether it's on social media or not. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just a shade. It's a shade and it's a part of who we are. Um, but I think where we can become lost is when, as individuals, we identify with that shade or that version or that facade and we take that on as meaning that is everything of who I am. And mm. why that can be risky and challenging for us is that when we anchor into a version of ourselves that exists outside of us, so when we curate an identity as I'm the mother, whatever, right, I'm I'm the, the worried, overprotective mom. That's just how I'll always be. Oh, I, you know, and we really identify with that label. We can get kind of, at first we can find meaning from it, but then we can get stuck and trapped within it and it can place these bigger expectations on ourselves. And that goes for any identity that we try on. Um, and we need, we need some flexibility too to change our minds. And I don't think that we're kind of allowed that enough in motherhood we're kind of put into these boxes quite early on when we first become mothers and then it can feel really hard to find any movement within there mm. yeah it's it's such a big thing isn't it it's like the the way that society wants us to be Have you noticed throughout your period of time, I didn't ask you how long you've been doing this for, but have you noticed shifts generally in the in the cultural norms of 
of what society is expecting of mothers? Yeah, um, I have. And I suppose my observations um, wouldn't be as clear as others who have worked in the field for decades and decades. I've been doing this for about 10 years, mm -hmm. uh, but it also impacts your perspective as to whether you're in the cultural uh soup or not so whether you are a mother or not so my perceptions of the cultural construction of motherhood also change according to my experience of motherhood as well but in a broader sense in terms of the literature and research around motherhood there's definitely been a shift more recently in the context of the pandemic and the kind of fourth shift um, that has been picked up by by mothers and mothers as another version of frontline workers who are kind of holding down the fort and taking on and engaging in more emotional labor as well as more physical labor in order to care for families and other members of their community. Uh, and so absolutely, I think there have been shifts that have been precipitated most strongly through the pandemic. Um, but on top of that as well, though, um, there is certainly has been an intensification of the expectations on mothers um, and I think that's a mix of kind of social media pressures and the online world and, and a mix of social and cultural factors as well when it comes to even economics and um, costs of living and different kind of economic uh, uh, shifts that can happen that then impact how we live our everyday lives and what that can look like culture to culture as well. Mm. Um, yeah, it makes a difference where we're located and where you're listening to this podcast from will probably change how motherhood looks for you in your society. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're listening to The Art of Being a Mum with my mum, Alison Newman. Something that really fascinates me is this idea that not only mothers work the unpaid work that is so essential to make society work, but also the, 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 with the people I chat to that are artists and creators, that the work that we do, maybe we aren't um, remunerated for in a monetary sense. It makes society has this thing that, well, our society in Australia, a capitalist Western society, that unless you're paid for what you do, there is this diminished worth placed on it. Um, and I can see you nodding. So can you share me share with me your, your opinions on that? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's something that I think anybody who is engaged in any form of unpaid labour that they find valuable, meaningful, purposeful and important will be able to intuitively have a sense of what we're talking about here, right? In that you're asked, well, what is it that you do? And oh, uh, uh, that or oh, you're just a mother or oh, that's a in some sort of patronizing way. Mm. Um, oh, that's a nice little hobby you have or well, what are your plans for afterwards? Or what? Are you, how are you going to support your family? Or what contribution are you making? Or like there are veiled ways that we're asked questions that remind us how little value value our culture places on what we do and so I think the first and foremost uh, for us individually regardless of whether you're an artist a creator uh, a mother who's engaged primarily in work raising her child rather than paid work outside of the home 
is valuing what we do for ourselves. Because even though I would like to say um, that we need a cultural revolution so that everyone else sees the value in what we do um, so that we can feel better about it ourselves, that's probably not going to happen, at least until we individually value what we do. So mm -hmm. almost um, for everyone listening, like remove the word just from your vocabulary. So when you <laughs> describe yourself, it's not just anything. It's this is what I do. And feeling into the discomfort sometimes that comes with first stating that, but knowing too every time you do opens up a pathway for others to be able to do the same. Um, but as you mentioned, we live within a capitalist society where value literally equals dollar. And, um, and so it can make it really difficult for mothers when so much of mothering is not only devalued socially, but you're not paid for it. Um, so it's not seen as being economically contributing, although we know that it is, you know, you're, if you mm. want to look at it in economic terms, you're raising human capital, you're raising future taxpayers. <laughs> yeah. um, so, I mean, you know, we can talk about it from all sorts of different angles, but um, in order to start to create shifts, I think that we need to start valuing what we do and and sit with the discomfort that others won't. You know, we can't ultimately make them either. Um, so where, yeah, where it's countercultural, some of this of what we're doing in holding on to the meaning of what we do. Finally, I want to talk to you about the movie The Lost Daughter, which I absolutely loved. I loved it so much and I related to it so much. Um, and I don't want that to sound bad that I really loved it because it's it's a heavy, it's a heavy movie with a lot of heavy, heavy topics. And you had a wonderful podcast that you released recently with Julianne, um, where you talked about it and sort of unpacked it. Um, can briefly, can you sort of outline a little bit of that for people that haven't watched it? This will make no sense whatsoever, so I apologise. But if you have watched it, hopefully this um, you'll enjoy this next little bit of the chat. Yeah, yeah. So I had a conversation with Julianne Buteleb from Parenthood in Mind about the Lost Daughter film. It's a, out on Netflix. And um, the film is one that explores lots of different aspects of motherhood in a really, as you say, kind of confronting and deep and for some quite dark way. And some people love the film, others hated it, others found it resonant but difficult to watch and so had to watch it in different sections. Um, but the film, as Julian and I discussed it, explores maternal transgressions. So a sense of when you kind of break those rules of what it means to be a good mother, um, but in a way that is really kind of complex and fraught. Um, we look at the kind of bad mother archetype. So ultimately in the film, not as a spoiler alert for those who may not have watched it, but um, the main character later, she leaves her children um, when they are young. And she, we sort of get flashbacks throughout the film of her now in her later life with adult children um, and then flashing back to when she had her children when she was younger. And there's all sorts of different storylines in there around um, her career, her aspirations uh, with her work. Uh, I think she has a sort of an affair and you look at the complex relationship with her partner and the father of her children. Um, and we've kind of uh, have an example of the trope of the selfish woman you know, the, the selfish mother, the mother who is self-interested and who focuses on, on her needs and wants and desires and who fails in many ways to live up to this idealised image of 
who the perfect mother is and why I think it can be confronting for a lot of mothers to watch is because you can recognize parts of yourself within her character Mm -hmm. and it may not be that you are her completely and that you have left your children or decided to or thought about it although I would argue probably most mothers have had that thought at one stage or another Uh, but it's that actually she she crosses those boundaries but she, you can see she also holds love and tenderness for her children. And there are mm. times at which, you know, we've, we've all been there when we have young children where we're, there's a scene where she's trying to, I think she's trying to study or focus on something and her daughter is just at her and at her and at her and asking her questions. Then I think her daughter kind of hits her and she's sort of shocked and it's like, don't hit me. And she's trying to contain her anger and then it kind of unravels and, and uh, we identify with that sense of being pushed to our limits as mothers and the power that we have and that we hold the responsibility that we hold for our children's care and love and nurturance and their safety but the ways in which we're so often left to do that on our own and we have we then have such harsh critique and self-judgment when we can't live up to the idealized image of who the perfect mother is because none of us can and importantly in the film she's mothering alone ultimately she's not mm-hmm. surrounded by community she's she doesn't have people who come in and share the load with her mentally and physically in an adequate way and so it's it's complex but i think we can recognize parts of ourselves within her character or notice within us what are the things that we're most repulsed by and exploring that um, and being curious about what that means about what we've internalized about motherhood mm. Yeah, just a massive movie. And I'm so glad that that it's out there and for people to be challenged by that, to actually to see somebody, like you say, cross the line. Like mm. you said, we've all probably thought about it, but we don't actually do it. <laughs> and to see someone yeah. do it um, is massive. And it's it's a fantastic, like it's like a breakthrough sort of movie, you know, like it's probably the first time that we've seen this stuff on film. Yeah, it's fascinating. And that was the thing I was really really interested I was thinking about how later would have survived how her experience would have been different like you say with the support of others living in a different time um, or a different culture where she had support or you know mothers I don't want to say were allowed to but you know could do other things apart from being somebody's mother you know I just I felt really felt sorry for her I felt really like yeah. Film presented it in a complex way because it's not a simple narrative. And what I really hope to try and do in my work and for us to do as a culture is to break open this dichotomy of you're either a mother and you love your children and you have this connected relationship and you've lost yourself or you need to actually break away and step away from the mother in order to be the self. There's these these mm. two polar opposites set up and it's like actually no, there's a third way here. There's a way for us to flexibly move between our roles and to integrate our sense of self with our mothering and how much of a gift that is for our children, right? That we we don't need to break away pieces of, of who we are and of our authenticity in order to somehow hold up a mirage of them, of, of who we are, like that doesn't actually serve them. So, so kind of breaking this open and which is what the film has helped us do in, in conversation is to see the complexity of the mothering role. I think that actually can offer a gift to our children and can pave the way for deeper connection with our children too, particularly in adulthood. And it's interesting that we didn't really see 
um, later and, and her adult children, but we had some interactions with them on the phone mm. um, that we witnessed. But yeah, it certainly opens a lot of um, different threads for the discussion, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it's, it's wonderful, so good. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And I urge anybody who's interested in this topic at all to follow Sophie on your socials. Um, I'll put all the links to that in the show notes. And keep up the good work because, honestly, you're, what you're doing is amazing and it's it's so important and thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for having me and for the work that you're doing as well and, and opening and holding these types of conversations to really um give us space to talk about and name our experiences and for mothers to reflect on what they do and who they are and to have openings for that rather than closed little containers um, that, you know, ultimately gives us more freedom to be able to do so. So thank you for having me on. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks for your company today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love you to consider leaving us a review following or subscribing to the podcast, or even sharing it with a friend you think might be interested. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the podcast, please get in touch with us via the link in the show notes. I'll catch you again next week for another chat with an artistic mum.